across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Okay, Rockstar Nation, I get to catch up today with an old friend and a pioneer in the business, Mr. Paul Chiolo. Paul and I were in the same graduating class of Howard Britton's star power. We were inducted into star power back in the day, whatever it was, 2000 or so together and uh, we were fast friends from that point forward and have stayed in touch ever since and uh, Paul is is knocking a ball out of the park in Wildwood, New Jersey and he's doing a lot of neat things and so I thought it'd be great for everybody to kind of learn what Paul's learned after 29, yes 29, going on 30 years in the business as a real estate agent, broker, developer, investor everything so without further ado paul welcome to pat hyben interviews real estate rock stars thanks pat and and to remind you further that date was actually with howard 2004 wow was it 2004 that's um it was i never forget it because (laughs) one of the uh it's actually one of the uh most notable times of my career somebody just asked me i was in a class bowl the other day and somebody asked what was one of the highlights of your whole career? And I said it was the day I was on a Garden State Parkway, leaving the Jersey Shore, heading north towards Philadelphia, and my car phone rang, and it was Howard. And uh, he asked me to uh, be a, a, a star, and uh, it was really, to this day, one of the biggest highlights of my career. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Because I, I remember exactly where I was, too. I was in a, in my office, and... He called into the office and it was just like, well, we want you. We want you on board. We want you to be a star. And it was such a big deal. It's hard for people, I think, on the outside to understand because that's all in the past, you know, but it was a big, it's a big honor. It was one of the best honors because it was well beyond being number one at your office or number one in your town or number one in with the company you were with. It was well beyond that because you had to meet all kinds of criteria other than just sell a ton of houses. That's right. That's right. And, and Howard was such a great mentor and still is. I mean, I, I still pull out so many of those CDs and different, uh, of, you know, the pages of the books that we all went, our team leader and buyer specialist and all that. So it was definitely a big part of my career. And though people may not uh, remember him or remember the organization, I use those tools today. So they're touching people all the time. They're timeless. Yes, they are. Timeless. So, um, all right. So why don't you kind of tell everybody about yourself, Paul, so they can get to know you better? Sure. Uh, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Um, matter of fact, I stayed in Philadelphia until 1987. Came down. My parents had a small summer house in a little town in Wildwood, New Jersey, which is about 90 miles south of Philadelphia, uh, 40 miles south of Atlantic City, the very bottom of the state. And when my... Uh, Mom had passed away in 1986. My father decided to move to the shore, and and I decided to come with him. So we bought a little hotel, a little seven-unit hotel, and the guy that sold it to me said, uh, I think you'd be good in my business. 
And I didn't have a lot going on at the time. So he introduced me to his brother, who was a broker. And it was a local Cobalt Banker office at the time down here. And I went in for an interview and I never looked back. Wow, that's cool. And so, you, you know, you own some bigger hotels now today, right? Yes, I do. I have uh, three hotels. I have a 110-unit beachfront hotel. I have a 65-unit uh, hotel and a like cocktail lounge in the center of Wildwood that kind of is a host at a convention center here. And we have a 47-unit uh, hotel and restaurant in another one in Wildwood Crest, which we actually just demolished this fall, and we're developing 24 condos on the site. Wow. So that's another business that you're in is development. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, I was waiting for – I actually – the motel that we just knocked down – we actually originally purchased it because it had approvals for 24 units. But then the market, you know, softened up on us some years back when we decided to just keep running it as a uh, hotel until we felt the market was ready for some new inventory. So we came to that point, and that's why we took made the decision to do it now. And uh, frankly, there's uh, there's a need for new construction uh, on this particular island, and we're just trying to fill that need. That's great. And so you're going to sell off all 24 condos? Yes, we are. And uh, okay. And then you're involved in a much bigger one too, right? Uh, some luxury condos? Yeah, we did. Uh, back in uh, 2005, I sold an old hotel called The Grand. And it took us four years before it came out of the ground. But I was on the design team and we used to have weekly meetings in Philadelphia. But that's called The Grand at Diamond Beach. And The Grand's 126 high-end beachfront residences and coincidentally uh we just i just put under agreement the last one mm -hmm. last week from the developer congratulations yeah 2.2 was the uh well actually the asking price is uh 2495 but we were able to get this deal together and it's an interesting story i'll share with you how i finally closed up the gap to put it together but that'll be the final unit. And we've done about 19 resales there also. So uh, now I'm working hard with a coach just on that project. And for any listeners that know Michael Mayer, I hired Michael specifically to make sure that after this last sale, my presence doesn't fade away, which has been one of my weaknesses in the past. And I'm really trying to look at it through a fresh set of eyes because this building is, uh, besides it being a large building, it's very personal to me because I was involved from the beginning a lot of years and I want to make sure that I don't lose traction with the resales once I'm now outside of the building. Right, because, uh, you know, it was a 10-year gig for you, right? I mean, and you, you went... Well, I always tell people I'm in my mid-50s now and I was in my earlier 40s when I started. <laughs> And so what kind of ups and downs did you go through with that project? Were there times where you're going to quit or, or oh, tell me yeah. about that? Yeah, because we, we built the project. It was every unit started at 1 million. That was kind of our tagline on billboards. And what happened was after we sold our first 23 residences, the market fell out from under us and, and sales completely stalled for two years, Pat. And um, we had to kind of retool the whole project. 
So we brought in a company at the time called Accelerated Marketing, and we had an auction event at the Borgata in Atlantic City. And we offered 25 units at the auction, and we did a very large-scale event. It went very well. We sold the 25, and then we took the results of those 25 sales, repriced the rest of the building according to what the consumer was willing to pay, and that's how we were able to then get momentum. And it took us another year and a half, two years to finally sell out the building. And that was a lesson working with a company that does an event like that was a lesson for me and my team. And then also, this is a very large developer. The developer was the Carlisle Group out of Washington, D.C. And I got to learn a lot about dealing with a very large corporation like that as a, as a seller. So it was uh, lots of lessons all the way around and uh, definitely grew me over the last two years a lot. Well, how were you able to keep them as a client for that long? I will say this. We gave incredible service. However, I will say that they're a company that likes to finish with the team they start with. So they, in conjunction with me, set up systems and procedures where, first of all, let me say this, it's labor intensive. We have a daily call. As a matter of fact, even with the one resident that's been left, Mm -hmm. we still have a weekly call every Monday at 830. I've been on a weekly call for that particular call for 11, 12 years now. Wow. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to imagine. And it's a structured call during during the project itself. We had when I was in that one, I describe it in that out front article I was in. But it was anybody to walk through that door got anybody that came through the door, anybody that came from the Web, any phone call that came in immediately went on a tracker and every individual lead had to be exhausted to a degree I've never experienced before. We had to understand if somebody walked in, what did they say? Are they interested? What's the next step? Could they afford it? What do we have to do to get them back? Every single buyer we talked about on a pipeline every single week. Wow. And it was the developer working in conjunction with us that really was able to take, I think, many buyers that I think ordinarily would not have bought or frankly would have wound up in a database that no one would have followed up with. And we were able to really put these buyers in homes through consistent and constant follow-up and educating ourselves every time we talk to them, delivering the message, talking about it with the developer, looking what the hurdles are and solving those, whatever those gaps were. And did some of them buy like five, seven, eight years later? Oh, oh, yes. We we have a 26,000 database from that project alone. Holy dirt. 26,000 people came yes. through there. Came through that building, email, one, one form or another, they came to the grand. So it's been really helpful. For 26,000 for what? 122 units? 126 units. I mean, that is some odds there. I don't even want to think what that odds are. Yeah. 120, I mean, if you told most agents you had to go through 26,000 leads to sell 122 homes, they tell you to <laughs> they, they, they hit the exactly. road, Jack. I mean. Exactly right. So we, we had a, a system and it was labor intensive, but we had a great sales team together and we worked the leads. 
And even now, so now when I have, a, like I'm working on a new listing down there now, I will get that listing and put it out to my database immediately. And I will generate the activity long before it hits the MLS. The, the, the 26,000 names, you mean? Yes. Okay. Yes, totally. So so I want to know what Michael J. Mayer, the expert yeah. when it comes to repeat and referral business, you've hired him personally. You said in the past that you've, you've had these projects, right? It's not your first rodeo. And you did the projects, you sold them out, and then you, you got caught up with the whatever was new and you kind of just left the people in the dirt and they were at their own free will to list when they decided to sell in a couple of years with anybody, right? You had to, you learn the hard way on that, right? Learned the hard way too many times. And what would happen, there's a couple of reasons it would happen. One would be traditional where the project's finished and you're on to your next project and you're not focused on keeping them on a drip campaign, a touch campaign, having any kind of client appreciation parties. So they meet other people in the community. Now they're in a resort and they bump into another realtor and, you know, you, you get forgotten. That's one way. Second way is many times I put sales teams together for an individual project. If it's a decent sized project, I have an on-site sales team. Well, sales team may switch companies and so forth, and then they have your database. And then that sales team's now marketing to your project, and the people are comfortable because they knew that person. That's who they knew. Yeah, that's right. 100%. So, it's a great, it's a great, I mean, I've known some people that done that, that were new homes, salespeople in neighborhoods. I know a lot of people actually. And then once the neighborhood sold out after four or five years and they're coming to those people to get advice on fix this plumbing leak or whatever, and the builder has to go fix it, then they're like, oh, screw it. I'm going to be an agent. And then they killed it in the neighborhood because they knew the product. They knew the neighbors. They, they knew the people personally. So I could see that happening. So what exact steps is Michael telling you to do? I have an exact media plan that Michael put together that my assistant, Sherston, and I are working on daily. For example, she's putting a book together of every unit owner in the Grand. And in there, besides their page where it shows their HUD when they purchased, it shows their contact sheet from top producer. It also goes to their Facebook page and takes out pertinent information. There's like a dossier on every particular owner. And as up, we update our notes, it updates the book to make it very personal on each owner. That's number one. Number two, we're having a customer appreciation party coming up this April 9th. And it's something we never did before. And the theme of the party is going to be, hey, we sold the last unit there. It's finally your building. We're out. We're having it catered. We're inviting all the owners. We're having door prizes. And we're going to start doing that quarterly, having an event for the homeowners. Every week, we're sending Save the Date. We sent out a hard invitation. Uh, Sherston's following up with an individual phone call to every owner, either thanking them for the invitation or asking them make sure they receive the invitation to get them to react and RSVP. Every Friday, I'm filming a video sending it out through BombBomb, save the date, little reminder, giving them a little tidbit, like almost like a trivia that they may not know about the building, which I, which I did last week's uh, video. And there's a step-by-step -step until that final moment of the day of the party. Wow. And basically, so you're just going full force and you have the mailing list, you have the email list. So you really can't, it's going to be very difficult for anybody else to sneak in there unless they're a real estate yeah. agent themselves. 
Yeah, if I could limit it, you know, here's the way I look at it. You know, I'm very competitive, like I think most people probably listening to this are. I'm very competitive, and every anytime someone gets a listing in there that doesn't have my name attached to it, it just fires me up. So <laughs> I said, that's enough of that. I got to keep this limited. And if I can limit it to a couple a year, you know, you can't get it all, but uh, I'm certainly going to try. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And and thanks for sharing that. Those are some great nuggets there. Every, everything that you've said. I mean, it, it's essentially paying attention to it, right? At the end of the day and not, and being relentless on it. Absolutely. Paying attention to it all the time. I mean, doing a customer, most people are reluctant to do a customer appreciation party once a year. Here, you're going to do one once a quarter. Yeah. And I want to expand it. And, you know, I I started talking to Michael, but I I respect what he's doing too. He goes, listen, until we get that project locked tight where you own that building, we're not going to talk about anything else. And I said, fair enough. That's what I hired you for. But in in the back of my mind, I'm already thinking... How do we expand that to the other projects that we've done? How do we expand that to other customers in my database and have even a bigger event? And that's what I'll talk to him about when we're done, what we're trying to accomplish down there at the Grand. I love it. I love it. Okay. And then in addition, you have lots of other resale business going on, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what's your biggest source now outside of the projects that you're involved in? Referrals. It's always, it's been referrals for me for a long time, but it's referrals from my database and from my contacts in Cape May County. I'm fortunate, Pat, that I I do a lot of personal referrals and a lot of referrals that come out of the, from agents in the Philadelphia area to, you know, North Jersey area. Um, I have a lot of agent contacts and they send me a lot of referrals that way also. Yeah, I know a couple. I, you know, I know a guy in Ocean City, Maryland, and I know that I've probably sent him over my twenty-seven years in the business. Probably sent him twenty referrals. You know what I mean? Like, like I have his phone number memorized, and I think that's the same. Everybody has a beach town, and the agents outside of that beach town. It's great for them to have a go-to guy there. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's and like I said, that from going to all the events I go to, whether it's a a Keller Williams event, or I was at that mastermind event and that Tony Robbins was at in Atlantic city a couple of months back. I think it was November. You know, I just try to make sure that people know that I'm the guy at the shore. And if there's something going on down here, I can help them, whether it's directly with me or with someone on our team that can help them. And I just, you just got to keep putting that word out there because they're looking for a resource and somebody they could trust. And it's uncharted territory for a lot of agents when you send people to a resort and you really want to send them to somebody that understands the intricacies of all these barrier islands down here because everyone has its own flavor to boot you know a family that comes to the wildwoods and a family that goes to wildwood crest or a family that goes to seattle city they're all different and they all want to go where they want to go and there's different experts for each place so how would you say the resort home market in general is today compared to what it was, you know, 2002 to 2006, where it just kind of peaked beyond belief, where people were just buying second homes that were three, four times what their primary residence was, where it was everyone had a second home. How does it, how does it compare today to that? Well, 
it's different in that it's different in good and in difficult ways. In a good way, it's it's very controlled, and we're able to keep we're able to price the product accordingly, and it's not fluctuating on a daily basis. That's what was happening in 02 and 06. Plus, I found on a development side, there was a lot of developers coming into the market that, frankly, um, maybe didn't have development experience before. And I found that there was some product being built that really wasn't up to par, mm -hmm. and that created issues years later. So it was as much fun as it was. Uh, in hindsight, it was a little, I felt, too fast and furious because, unfortunately, a lot of people made bad financial decisions, you know, and bought property that is um, still not caught up in the values that they paid or, frankly, just had to sell later and took losses. So the market today, I'd have to say it's a stable market. It's grown at just a nice, reasonable, steady pace. If I go look at a piece of property, I can value it, feel good about the value, and put it out into the market. And if it's priced well, it's selling. The uh, unfortunate thing or challenging what I'm finding today is uh, I find that lenders are still uh, holding back on development financing. And I think that's challenging for some people that, that want to build and the finances just aren't there to build. And I think that's a part of our market that still needs to loosen up is our uh, banking relationships. Yeah. And how hard is it for a consumer to get a, a vacation rental loan or vacation home loan? I, I haven't seen any challenges with that. I mean, uh, besides, I'll say this. No challenges with the consumer getting a loan, sometimes appraisal challenges. Um, and that's what I've been experiencing with a lot of our agents. Personally, I haven't experienced any appraisal issues, but from talking to lots of salespeople in the company, there have been appraisal hurdles. Now, I think that's slowing down also because the market, like I said, has been continuing to grow. Um, but I am on the lookout for a changing market because – after listening to Gary Keller's vision speech, it was eye-opening for me that they feel that this market is going to soften and the country is going to start softening sometime in the near future. So that's, that's got me watching things very closely. So what are you going to do about it? As my units that I'm building start to sell, I'm not going to start raising pricing or you know, try to maximize everything. My focus is going to be more on keeping the prices reasonable to sell them out as quick as possible. And I'm probably going to only do projects that are very controlled, meaning perfect examples like buying a piece of ground that you could put six homes on, building two homes, putting them under agreement before I build the next two homes, not doing any more projects where you have to like the 24 units is the type of project, Pat, you have to build it all at once and right. then sell it. I probably start avoiding projects that I have to build the whole project, then go to market. I'll probably start building ones, uh, building ones I can control in phases. Yeah, that would make sense, right? Because then if, if you reach another hiccup or a slow period, well, you just sit on the land for a while. That's right. That's right. But I'll tell you a quick story how that vision speech really... Matter of fact, I owe a thank you to uh, Keller on this because I, on this large residential condo that I just put together, 
I was at a standstill with the buyer at one number and the seller at another, and there was still a little gap there. And the buyer was pushed to the max. They weren't going to go another nickel. And they had a withdrawal date, actually, of February 28th, where they were just going to move on. So I listened to that speech on uh, YouTube, and I was writing a letter to my seller. And I was peppering into my letter exact quotes about the market, about what's happening. Uh, after I finished the letter to try to tell them that I really did believe they should take this price because I felt it was a very good price for where we're at, I attached the vision speech. I attached the YouTube, sent it at 9.30 on a Friday morning. And when I woke up Saturday morning, there was an email simply said, write up a contract, we'll take the deal. And it was a lesson that it was, that was really, that was something that really inspired me to take the time to get real, put in real data and use a resource that backs up the data. Mm. And it was funny because I was talking to Jeff Quinton actually the day before I did that. And he was giving me ideas on how to craft such a letter. So I was listening to him. Then I was listening to the speech. I put it all together and with that, and with, with my personal feelings attached with real data, it got the deal done. And that was the last condo in the grand? Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. very, very interesting. So most of your other business is coming from referrals from agents and referrals from past clients and that sort of thing now. Now, it wasn't always like that, right? You, I mean, although you've been at this 29 years, it hasn't been a, you know, every single year hasn't been like this no. excellent success story. So tell me a little bit about some of your failures, some of your downtimes, and, and what can we learn from that as agents, you know, in the rock star community? Well, I'd have to say, I mean, one of my lowest lows wasn't really that long ago. I mean, you remember when we were all, you know, 2005 and six, I had a 38 agent team and, and we did uh, almost 300 million in production. And, was, and, you know, it was the same rule. There was, you know, 20% of us doing 80% uh, of the business. But when that prod, when that grand project came along, I went and focused on that project so much thinking it was going to be uh, a boom for the team that they would love getting all this inventory. But it was interesting. Other companies were coming in at the same time offering higher splits. I was focused on that project, like almost mono-focused on that project. I started losing members of the team, and I didn't react fast enough to build the team. And I think besides the competition coming in and offering these large splits, Besides me being off-site, I didn't realize how much the team felt abandoned by me not being here, and it really decimated my team. And it is almost like here I am now in 2016, and though I personally don't want a team that large again, I really am starting like a new agent again, <laughs> kind of why I hired Michael Mayer. It's, it's humbling to say I'm in my office and I'm going – from doing hundreds of millions to back to doing first it was six million, eight million, twelve million, and I'm climbing up again. But if I had a lesson to learn, it would be to have better focused on the people on my team, 
value them at a higher level and really not have moved on as quickly as I did for the next opportunity without considering every one. Not that that opportunity I would have passed up, but maybe have included them in a different way or maybe have spread my time out differently. Or given them some sort of different opportunity, but yes. some, somehow you're still making money on it. What what of the 38, just out of curiosity, of the 38 that you had in your best year ever, let's say, how many of them are with you today? Today? Four or five. Okay. All right. Well, at least there's some left. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in our market center now is up to almost 100 associates. But that was my personal team. So here I am. I got the red book. I have me, Sherston, my assistant. I have a second assistant. And I'm out. And I have one buyer agent. And, and here we go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'm doing it in a whole different fashion, Pat. It's like I'm looking to take care of a small group of people, grow to a certain controllable size, and just take our fair share. Mm. or maybe our unfair share, but you, <laughs> you you get the point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 20, uh, 29 yeah. years in the business, your fair share is pretty large for that yeah. area, right? Well, you know, when you get you get a little older, you're able to put that ego in check a little. And uh, my, my thing now is uh, I don't want to be number one anymore. I just want to be number two. <laughs> well, that's no joke either. You know, I mean, number two is a pretty high rung, a bell to ring as well anywhere. So that's, yeah, people, that's don't, people don't, people don't watch number two as much. Oh, I see. Yeah. I, I've had a saying for a while and it, it's so hard for us to do, but if I had to look back, I'd always rather be rich and not famous than rich and famous, you know, absolutely. but yeah. hard to do. Cause that's all we know, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. That's true. Well, listen, Paul, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. You have offered a wonderful plethora of wisdom in, in different avenues, all regarding real estate. You are a true real estate guy, real estate mogul, real estate expert. I'd love to have you back sometime. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with so they could say, oh, yeah, there's a Jersey Shore guy, Paul Chiolo, that always says that or reminds me of that? Well, I would just say this to everyone. It's the same thing. You know, we all learned in our years in star power, but to every salesperson out there, I was always in the wealth building and don't, you know, it's great that we all list and sell real estate and you'll make a very good living listing and selling real estate, but you're never going to create great wealth until you do real estate. So, you know, there's many, when you get those deals that you're calling your clients up saying, this is a no brainer, you have to buy it. We have to take steps, take a step backwards and buy it ourselves. And we could talk about that at another time. And and I get to, I could talk to you about how to parlay what would be a one commission into multiple commissions. So uh, I guess what I would say is you got to build wealth by buying and selling real estate yourself and not just buying and selling it for our clients and customers. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And I 100% totally agree. You know, even if you just start out buying a couple little things or one little thing a year, you know, just, just buy one. and hold, you know. Yeah, buy it and hold it, buy it and fix it, flip it, whatever your thing is, a combination of that, just do it. And, and you, you'll still get that commission when you sell it the next time. Awesome. All right, buddy. Well, listen, have a great day and I'll definitely catch up with you soon. 
Thanks, Pat. Take care. Well, I hope you have enjoyed this session of Real Estate Rockstars. I'm Pat Hyben, and I appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock-solid advice. I encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with. These insights, along with goal setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how-tos, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at Pat Hyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.